0: Amen. Final Sunday of 2023. That is hard to believe. I'm not sure about you, but 23 went by pretty quick for me in a lot of respects. In other respects, it went by painfully slow, mostly in the work that we did in here. But but such, that's the way it goes. You know, next week will be the first Sunday of the year. We'll be, you know, talking about new vision and places to go and things to do and all those things we'll be looking forward to. And I just thought and kind of had impressed upon my heart that we would just take a little bit of time today uh, to celebrate a little bit of what God has done. Um, I am not very good at that. And I don't say that like proudly or boastfully, Um, it's just kind of my natural nature. I'm, I'm, I'm always looking forward to the next thing to do, the next thing to accomplish. I'm not very good at stopping, smelling the roses, taking a little bit of time, and enjoying um, things that need to be celebrated and things that we need to take time to celebrate. I'm, I'm not very good at that. And I've tried to be better at it this year. We talked about it at the beginning of the year that it was an important thing to do. Um, and so I just thought we'd take a little bit of time today and, and do that because God is a God of celebration are. There are times where the Jewish people, to the Jewish calendar, uh, the festivals, the feasts, that's what they are. There are times where the Jewish people stopped what they were doing, stopped their regular days, stopped their regular work, work, and they went and they focused on things that mattered and they celebrated together. And I just wanted to do that a little bit today. We're going to do that in Luke chapter 15, a very well-known chapter um, there's these, these parables, there's three parables in this chapter, and, and I know you've heard at least one of them. You've probably heard all of them. We're going to go through all of them um, fairly quickly. We're going to cover an entire chapter today, so next time I will stop introducing and we'll start going so that we're not here until after lunchtime. Um, so we're going to start in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and we're going to look at some celebration today. starts this way. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. Shocker. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Now he ends up telling several parables in a row. uh, But he tells three specific parables that go with this. So this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They're complaining that he's doing this, so he tells them these parables. So keep that in mind. This is Jesus' answer to the Pharisees' complaining. Verse 4. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Or skip down to verse eight. Or what woman who has 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her women friends and neighbors together. So he starts with these first two parables. He gives the first one about the sheep. be one of those days. Amy, you may have to click through this for me. Um... Because the first one about the sheep, um, a lot of things that are here, okay, that we're, we're, I, I could spend weeks on just these parables and what they mean, but um, we'll just to brush through them quickly to get to the main point for today, um, you, you know, when you've got a shepherd, he, he is the protector of the sheep. Sheep are, are dumb. It's not lost on me that we're often referred to as sheep in scripture. Just keep that in mind. Um, and sheep need a shepherd. They are defenseless. The, sh- the sheep is a defenseless animal. It must have a shepherd to protect it. And because of their uh, likelihood to daydream and their ability to be extremely dumb, they will wander off from their pack. If they wander off from their herd, they are vulnerable to everything that it is around them. So, Also keep in mind that shepherd, when they were watching sheep, usually weren't watching their sheep. They were watching sheep that they were responsible for that were owned by someone else. The shepherd, was that was his job to take care of these sheep, but if he lost a sheep, he had to pay the person for the sheep that he lost that actually owned the sheep. So it was a very big thing, not to mention that you wouldn't be a very good shepherd, and you wouldn't get hired in the first place if you lost sheep very often. So a sheep that wanders off must be brought back. It's not that the 99 don't matter. They do. It's that the 99 are okay, and they're safe, and they're where they're supposed to be, but I've got to go get this sheep and bring it back. Same thing with the lost coin. Uh, It's kind of cool what's taking place here. It's a cultural thing that the 10 coins were usually on a headband and worn by a woman that was married. It was kind of like the wedding ring of the day and these coins were valuable Uh, they meant a lot to the person just like if you were to lose your wedding ring uh, you would go crazy trying to find it it's the same concept here and Jesus is he's the master communicator he's the master storyteller he's trying to get everyone that is listening to perk up their ears and resonate with what he is saying so he starts with the shepherd and the sheep and then he goes to the ladies ladies if you lost your wedding ring You'd you'd search everywhere for your wedding ring. You'd go looking for your wedding ring. Wouldn't you go looking for your wedding ring? That's the concept of what he's saying here with the lost coin. The point he's trying to get across is like, Wiersbe says it, there are few joys that match the joy of finding the lost and bringing them to the Savior. John Wesley says, The church has nothing to do but to save souls. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work. That's the point that he's trying to get across here, not not what is it, what are all the underlying things that could be talked about with the shepherd and with the coin? It's that's not the point. The point is, when something is lost that is valuable, you try to find it, and when you find it, you're joyous, you're joyful, you rejoice. Then you skip down to the probably the most known part of this, um, of these three parables. The parable of, you've heard it said different things. The prodigal son, that's not my favorite, favorite title for it. A lot of, a lot of uh, modern translations call it the parable of the lost son now. I think as the modern church, we should say the parable of the older brother. Because that's the one that we probably need to focus on more than the, the one wandering off. But you go down to verse 11, and it says this. He also said, Jesus still telling a third story, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, the younger son. Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to him. Now, there's tons of things that that young man just said, but he basically just said, Dad, I'm going to pretend like you're dead. Give me what I'm inherited so I can go waste it. I want to go see what the world has to offer me. Now, as the younger son, he was entitled to a third of the state. The older older brother is entitled to a double portion. There's two sons, so the older brother would have gotten two-thirds. He would have gotten one-third. So, so Dad, you're dead to me. Give me your money so I can go see what the world has to offer me. Continuing verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country. Home's not good enough. i got to go find out what's going on out there. You young folks could just listen to this part today and get something out of that part. When he squandered his estate... And where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the country, and he had nothing. Continuing verse 15, then he went to work for one of the citizens of the country. So now he's working for a foreigner in a foreign land, who sent him into his field to feed pigs, an abomination to a Jewish person. Pork was not part of the, is not part of the kosher diet, and to touch one is to touch something that is unclean. He longed to eat his fill from the carob pods the pigs were eating. He's in such a bad place that now he wants to eat pig slop. Shortly before this, he wouldn't have even looked at a pig, which is unfortunate for him. But he wouldn't even have looked at a pig, much less considered eating pig food, pig slop. That's where he's at now. It's, it's like, you know, the story is bad and gets badder and worser and badder and worser. But no one would give him any. They wouldn't even give him pig food. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, it's a key part of this, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I am stupid, in parentheses, Daniel's translation. I'll get up and go to my father. Wow, I am a fool, he realizes. This was really stupid. I have made a grave mistake, continuing it, and said to him, and say to him, excuse me, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. This is what we call humility, being humbled. And that's what making dumb decisions will do to us sometimes. Continuing, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. I I, I would challenge you, when you're reading through the New Testament, look, look how many times and what happens directly after it says someone is filled with compassion. Filled with compassion. That's a challenge. Just take that for what it's worth. He ran, being the father, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran threw his arms around him, his neck, and kissed him. I'm reading it again. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, if the sheep was lost because of foolishness, because the sheep is foolish, and the coin through carelessness, the son was lost because of willfulness. It was his own choice to leave the father and to leave all the good that he had. It brings slavery. It promises. Sin promises freedom, but it only brings slavery. It promises success, but it brings failure. It promises life, but the wages of sin is, Romans 6.23 teaches us. The boy thought he would find himself. And you hear that a lot these days. I'm going to go, you need to find yourself. You need to go out and see what the world has to offer and find yourself. But all he did was lose himself. The story of mankind. When God is left out of our lives, enjoyment becomes enslavement. Now, like I said, we could preach several messages on that part of it. But what I would like to do today is take those three things and then look at what happens at the end Of each of these parables. I would like to look at the end of each of these parables. So go back to verse 6. This is now what's happening at the end of the lost sheep. Verse 6, chapter 15 says, And coming home, he's thrown the lamb, the sheep, on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, now Jesus is talking. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Now, the key there is those 99 righteous people think they're righteous. It's not that they actually are righteous. They think they're righteous. They are self-righteous. They have proclaimed themselves good enough. And Jesus says, I think that's key. He says that when somebody comes to saving faith in Christ, heaven throws a party. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's happened 18 times in heaven this year, but simply because of what's taking place at this church. 18 times this year, heaven has thrown a party because of the efforts that we've put in and allowing God to work through us and what's taking place here at this church. That's an amazing thing. That's pretty cool when you step back and think of it like that. Heaven has thrown 18 parties because of the work that has taken place here at this church. Now I'm starting to get fired up. I knew it was coming. I was trying to stay calm, but here it comes. Now, at the end of verse 9, going to the lost coin, rejoice with me. <clears throat> the lady, she calls her lady friends. She says, rejoice with me. Because I've found the silver coin I lost. Again, in our context, it would be, rejoice with me. It went down the drain. My wedding ring came off my finger and went down the drain. Some of you, yeah, I knew that would resonate with some of you. But we caught it in the P-trap. We took it off, and there it was. Thank goodness, it's not gone. Rejoice with me. I have found my wedding ring. This was my husband's grandmother's ring. It means so much to us. Rejoice with me. We have found something that is so valuable. Verse 10 I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Notice this continuing theme here. Jesus is, remember, he's answering the Pharisees. What's up with this dude? He's eating with sinners and tax collectors. He ought to be, doesn't he know? We're the ones he ought to be hanging out with. We're the ones he ought to be celebrating with. We're the one, we're better than them. Why is Jesus, this supposed son of God, not hanging out with us? We're God's people. We're the ones that deserve accolades. We're the ones that deserve pats on the back. We're the ones that can stand before God and tell him how good we are. That's their attitude. Jesus says, oh, no, 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 (laughs) no. You're missing it. As usual, you're missing it. I came to save that which is lost. And it ain't that you're not lost. It's that you're too dumb and foolish to realize that you're lost. You think you're in the right spot. Think you're doing the right things. You think because of the things you're doing to justify yourself, you can stand in front of God and justify yourself. To a holy God. But man, you're missing it. You're missing the most important thing. What I came to do was save those who know they need a sinner. And those who know they need a sinner repent and come to me when they hear the good news of what I've done. And when they do, heaven throws a party. You don't celebrate things that don't matter. You don't throw parties for things that don't matter to you. For things that don't mean something to you that's the entire reason that we do that we did that one time this year didn't we we threw a party just to celebrate Wayman and Joanne for their decades of service to this church why do we do that because they mean something to us what they've done means something to us the work they put into this church means something to us so we wanted to take a little bit of time and say thank you have a meal throw a party have a cake When we do those things, we're saying that something means something to us. Jesus says a lost sinner repenting and turning to him is what he throws a party about. I think we should take note of that. I don't know. I'm not very smart, but I'm smart enough to figure that out. We should take note of that. Back to the the final parable, the third parable. Verse 22. But the father told his slaves... The son's come back. son. Father, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. But the father told his slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Stop there just for a second. He's saying you're back part of our family. That's what those things mean. You are part of the family again. You chose to leave. You chose to not be a part. You said, I'm dead to you. I want your money. Leave me alone. But I'm telling you, By the actions that I'm doing, you're my son again. You're back part of this family. Verse 23. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. Now we're talking time for some steak. And let's celebrate with a feast. Verse 24. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they, say it with me, so they began to celebrate. One more time. So they began to celebrate. Why? Because this sucker was dead, but now this sucker's alive again. And we need to throw a party because this is what matters to me, Jesus is telling the self-righteous Pharisees. He's saying this is the natural and proper response to God working, to God doing something, to miracles. And there's no greater miracle than the miracle of salvation. And when this takes place, we need to stop, take note, and celebrate. And I love the fact that, that most of the time now, when we have baptisms, it's not a solemn experience. There's time for solemn. There's time for that. There's times for serious reflection and, and, and being solemn in the moment. There's times for that. But there's times to celebrate. And a baptism is time to celebrate. And usually in this church now, there's hooping and hollering and clapping. And we're excited that someone got baptized. And we should be. And we should be. This, uh, had the boy, if you think about it, had the boy been dealt with according to the law, there would have been a funeral. But instead, there was a feast. It's a beautiful illustration of what Psalm 110 tells us. I'll read it for us. Psalm 110, 10 through 14. He has not dealt with us. As our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his faithful love. His hesed, My favorite word. Toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of. Remembering that we are dust. And we just spent five weeks talking about. How we have a God in Jesus Christ, the Son, who knows what it feels like to be made of dust. To be be in this carnal, weak, wretched body. What a God. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. Here we come. Every time. Here we come. Here comes the good churchgoers. As he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Stop. Side note this dude is so unconcerned with what is taking place that he doesn't even realize that it's taking place. He's so unconcerned about his brother because to him, he is dead to him. That now that he's come back, he didn't even notice. Didn't bother him a bit. Your father has slaughtered the fattened calf. Your brother's here, he told him. And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Your brother's back. Your flesh and blood. He's back from the dead. He has realized he was being a fool and he has come home humbly and anew. It's wonderful news. Your father says it's time to celebrate. And the older brother says, wow, that's amazing. I've been praying for him to be saved. That's not what he says? Hmm. He wasn't praying for his brother's salvation. But I thought he was good and righteous. Oh, we'll keep going. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. Dude throws a fit, literally. And He's pouting. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I've been slaving away many years for you. I've been slaving away many years for you. And I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me so much as a young goat. So I could celebrate with my friends. Catch that. Not with you, Dad. Not with our family. You never even gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends priorities. Praying for his brother? (laughs) Celebrate this guy? No way. Mm -mm. He's mad. Here I am slaving away for you, doing all this work, not doing anything wrong. I deserve the fattened calf. Not that ingrate. I have friends. I want a party. What about me? The, old, the older brother thought he had a relationship with his father because of his work. He served his father not out of love, but out of a desire for reward. Whew. That's a mouthful. Sometimes we look at our Heavenly Father that way. I'm righteous. He says. And we look at him and go, mm, self-righteous maybe. Not so much Righteous. Continuing, but when the son of yours, but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But this, I love the, but this son of yours, not, not this brother of mine. Now y'all know you parents in the house know what I'm talking about. When the kid messes up. And that kid gets on your nerves and you go to the other, you know, if the mom is getting on the mom's nerves and she goes to the dad and says, that son of yours, you know, this son of yours, that's, that's what he's saying. This, this son of yours, not this brother's son, this son of yours, he's wasted away all you gave him on wild living and prostitutes. That's literally the Greek word would, would be prostitutes. He's just partied it away. I I can't even get a goat. Dad, I can't even get a goat. But he gets the prized fattened calf, the, the 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 calf that they were keeping close to the house, the calf that they were raising to kill to celebrate with. That's the point of the of the of the fattened calf. It's like the, it, it's like the it's like the family pet that they know that one day when when we put this calf down, when we kill this calf, we're doing it for something special. This one is special, and it hurt a little bit to kill that calf. I mean, it was like a pet but it was being raised to be able to provide for the family. And when you kill that calf and use him for the meal, you're saying something special is happening. Something matters. I can't even get a goat. He gets the fattened calf. Are you kidding me? He wastes everything on partying and then comes home and you throw him a party? The older son is saying. And then the father, and for those of you who are slow in the uptake, who is God in the story, says to the older son, who is the Pharisees and the self-righteous, everything I have is yours. Come and enjoy it with me. If you're saved, if you're with me, you're part of this celebration too. You're part of what's good too. Everything I have is yours, son. And then this last verse is where we will finish in the word today with the main point that we need to walk out of here with today. This last verse that's already up on the screen. This is the main point I want us to get today. Everything I have is your son, but we had to celebrate and rejoice. We have to celebrate and rejoice, son. This matters. This is this is it. This is the thing. Because this brother of yours was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost forever, but now he's found. Son, we had to celebrate. Don't you get it? Son, this is a miracle of God. It's a miracle. Your brother was dead. Now he's back alive. He was lost and now he is found. Son, this is the saving work of God. The Holy Spirit entered him and he came to his senses. He came to himself. He came to a point of repentance and he is alive. He was dead, but now he's alive. We must celebrate, son. Son, won't you come celebrate with me? Won't you come celebrate with us? C.S. Lewis, who's a lot smarter than your pastor, said this. Joy is the serious business of heaven. And it is a joy in which you and I can share. Mm. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Celebration and rejoicing is the serious business of heaven. And you and I can join in, share, and participate in said joy by doing what we've been called to do, going and searching for that which is lost and bringing it back to the Savior. And when we do that, and when we get to participate in that, which is what we're trying to do here all the time, when we get to participate in that, we get to join in with the party that is taking place in heaven. It's a great thing. Now the story ends the way, the way you hate for movies to end. Some of the movies that I hate the most are ones that just leave it unresolved. And we don't know how it finishes. I think because Jesus was bringing the Pharisees to a point of decision. He doesn't say what the older son does because it's like he finishes and he's like, so what y'all want to do? But it it's frustrating, right? We don't know what the older son did. We don't know what the older brother did. Did he come to his senses and join in? Probably not. Could he have? Yeah. Would he have joined in the joy if he would have sort of said, you know what, Dad, you're right. I don't, I'm just frustrated. I'm tired. I'm aggravated. You're right. This is a great day. I like to think that he did would do that. I like to think that he went in and joined the party, enjoyed some good veal nice fat steak with the family but the better question is what are you going to do that's the better question we don't know what the older brother did but the question is what are you going to do let's just for a minute look at some things that we can celebrate that have taken place just this year just 2023 here in this church i've already alluded to it we had seven, we had 18 baptisms in 20, 2023, Eight, 18 human beings who have publicly professed through the obedient act of baptism, saying they are dead to self and sin and have arisen to new life as a new creature in Christ Jesus. 18 times we saw that miracle take place in this church in one year. That's a move of God, a miracle of God. It's something to be celebrated. Man, I was hoping for applause right there, but that's okay. But, no, 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 I don't want no sympathy applause. No, 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 I don't want no sympathy applause. You take that applause and put it somewhere. <laughs> huh. Between those baptisms and, 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 and others, transfers, transfers of letter and things like that, we've had over 30 people join our church this year. That's an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Knock it off. We set, <laughs> we set a goal at the begin, beginning of the year, to have 100% attendance in Sunday school this year. Now, I didn't mean that everybody went to Sunday school every Sunday, but that is that 100% of the people who called Danville FBC their church home would join and attend Sunday school this year. We did not hit that goal. We didn't come close to that goal. But it's a lofty goal, and I knew it was a lofty goal when we set it. I, 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 I remember thinking, Lord, this... Is kind of crazy, but I'll say it anyway. And I do want this to stay in place for 24. And I, I'm, I'm going into, into this year increase our average Sunday school of faith that that goal is going to be reached in 2024. But we did increase our average Sunday school attendance by a little over 20 people this year. We, we averaged 20 more people a week in Sunday school this year than last year. We had a high attendance in Sunday school just a few weeks ago of 149. We hadn't hit 149 in years in this church, in Sunday school. So that's something to be celebrated because you're digging... (laughs) Somebody take him out of here. (laughs) You're digging into the Word. That's where you get to know each other. That's where you learn the Word on a different level. That's where growth takes place, is in small groups. This, This out here is for celebration. This out here is for you know, the rudder that guides the big ship, but growth takes place in small groups. And that's why I hope and pray that we will be involved in small groups in some form or fashion. We averaged about 175 kids and students on Wednesday nights uh, for 2024. That's from our youngest to our oldest, around 175. That's nearly double uh, from what we were doing a couple of years ago, nearly double the amount of kids. We've averaged uh, 70 to 75 ninth through 12th grade students at FCA on Wednesdays, where we feed them lunch and have a student-led devotional. When you realize that we only have about 250-ish students, 9 through 12, in our, student, in our school, that, that number gets even more exciting. That means, that means every Wednesday during school, we have a third of our high school in the church hearing about Jesus. That's a miracle that's not happening anywhere else, I can promise you. We had a, we had a mission trip for the first time since 2019. That was cool. It was awesome. Uh, the whole church was a part of that. Most of you gave. Most of you prayed for that. Many of us went on that trip. It's, it's, it's a collective effort that that took place. 30 people went to Ensenada, Mexico on that trip, trip, built two houses for people that were living in conditions that no human being should have to live in. Many of us that went on that trip are, are still in contact with the families that we that we were able to build those houses for, and with people that we worked with in Ugo, uh, f- with the Ugo Ministries, it was it's just a, it's an amazing trip. We're going back this year. Uh, I can I cannot wait to be impacted by that trip again this year. Um, looking forward to, to what takes place there. We completed our fourth year uh, of our summer food for kids program. We've totaled about uh, a little over a thousand, thousand to eleven 1, hundred. Uh, kids over the summer that we were able to give groceries to for ten weeks this summer. Um, it takes many volunteers to make that happen, and it happens flawlessly every week thanks to you who put your time and energy into serving for that. Uh, and lunch Learn, pray we studied the entire book of Romans. It took thirty-eight weeks. Thirty-eight weeks we celebrated the <laughs> book of Rome and we studied the book of Romans. It was great. It had a profound impact on me. I, I learned things this year. And had things jump out to me this year, emphasize to me this year, that that have changed me in many different ways. Changed the way I look at scripture, changed concepts that I understood. It was it was awesome. Looking forward to getting that back going after this first of the year. Uh, I know who'll celebrate this one. We had bi-monthly business meetings for the first time uh, since before COVID. Forces of sleep. Yeah, there we go. We had food and great attendance at all of them, which is a, that's a big deal. We were able to accomplish a lot of work and have some good fellowship during those times. We have had sporadic business meetings uh, since before COVID. It was great to get that back on the schedule, and it takes a lot of people to make that happen, and it, and it happened every, every time we did it, and it was great. Uh, some of that work that we did in business meetings, you've seen in here. We, we have completely facelifted this sanctuary. It's almost complete. The floors will be in in a few weeks, Uh, and soon and very soon, there'll be new cushions on the bottom and back of those pews, and they will be recovered. Um, That's all done. We're just waiting for the stuff to come in for that to take place. There's so much more we could talk about. There's so much to celebrate. When God moves and shows up, church, we should celebrate. We should celebrate. It's okay. It's okay to do that. Matter of fact... According to Luke chapter fifteen, it's darn near mandated to do that. One last thing: we, we have received all the funds necessary to purchase our new bus. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 ready to be picked up. I'll be going to Nashville on Thursday and pick that bad boy up and drive it home. So pray for that. Praise the Lord. So the Lord is good. The Lord is good, and it, and it's good to to just reflect ever so often. Now, the key is you celebrate and then you go back to work. You don't celebrate and then only talk about the days of yore. Churches that only talk about the way things used to be are churches that are beginning to die. You celebrate. You're thankful. We've always talked about honoring the past of this church. It has taken decades of faithful servants, a lot of work, And a lot of sacrifice, a lot of giving, and a lot of serving, and a lot of sweat to get us to where we are here today. This didn't just all appear. So we're thankful for that, but we can't live there. We can celebrate it and honor it, but we got to live for what's coming. And what's coming is 2024. And we'll see what the Lord has in store for us there. I pray it is a record year for all things Jesus' followers look forward to celebrating. I pray God does things through us and with us and to us during this coming year that, that we just we couldn't have made up if we tried. If we tried to set goals, God would just laugh at them and say, you think that's something? Just watch this. That's what I pray happens in 2024. But the main task of the church, priority numero uno, is to find the lost, not to protect the comfort of the saved. And as long as we can keep that the main thing, I think the Lord will honor that. I'll pray for us and we'll finish up through song. Father God, thank you that you have given us uh, what we need to accomplish what you want us to accomplish, God. And may we always remember uh, that loving you and loving others to bring them to you and to strengthen them in you is our main task. God, our main task is to find that which is lost. Uh, would you give us a heart that desires that, that, that wants to do that? God, would you, would you help us fight the urge to just protect what we already have, to protect ourselves and to make ourselves comfortable uh, in, 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 in just doing the activities of church? God, would you protect us from that heart, from that desire, and would you make us a church that desires to see those who don't know you as Lord and Savior, to come to know you, that they would come to themselves, come to their senses through your Holy Spirit and realize, what am I doing? I want to live for you from now on. Would you make us a church that, makes, that, that wants to make that our number one priority every day? Lord, and would you help us celebrate that well whenever you do works that only you can do? We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I invite you to stand for our final song mm mm-hmm.